Let's turn to God's Word. Um, Our Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 6. It's page 609 in the Church Bible. Isaiah chapter 6, reading verses 1 through 13. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. And I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. The houses are without a man. The land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be its stump. In our New Testament reading, Matthew chapter 13, 1 through saw in Isaiah, God commissioning, calling and commissioning Isaiah for his task as prophet uh, in the Old Testament, um, calling him and, and equipping him to be the, the one who would go to Israel and, and tell them of their sin, um, but in such a way that he was going to be declaring God's judgment on them. And here in the ministry of our Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, we're going to see a similar note sounded in his ministry. So let's turn uh, Matthew 13 now reading verses 1 through 23. This is the word of God. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. 
But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their hearts are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty sends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray together and ask him to bless it to us. Sovereign Lord, we pray that you'd open our hearts to receive your word, that you would take this word and that you would, Lord, that you would plant it deep in our hearts and make it to take root there. Make our hearts the good soil, gracious God. We pray that, that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ would grow and thrive and flourish in every one of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a while since we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, so as as we're diving back in, I just want to give a quick summary, get a quick picture, context, know where we are in the Gospel. Um, Matthew's been building up to something. He's working things together. He's not just stringing things together randomly, so it's good for us to see what he's doing. Matthew begins by introducing us to Jesus in the first few chapters of his gospel. He gives us Jesus' backstory, his origin story, uh, tells us who he is, tells us, tells us um, uh, some of the big themes about Jesus. And then from there, Matthew launches into the early days of Jesus' ministry. And there are two things that Matthew keeps going back and forth on in Jesus' ministry and emphasizing for us. On the one hand is teaching, lots of teaching. Matthew gives us these wonderful blocks of of, of teaching of our Lord Jesus, these sermons, these discourses of our Lord. And after he gives a section of teaching, then he switches and he gives gives us some of of Jesus' day-to-day life, and especially his healing ministry, as he goes about doing good, healing, 
bringing, uh, bringing, bringing life and blessing to those who are around him. And Matthew alternates between these things. Um, and, uh, and then we come to, to the context closer to where we are here. And, and, and we've, moved, um, we've moved through another section of narrative, a section of Jesus' healing ministry, the miracles he's doing, and also interactions with those around him. And, and there's increasing uh, conflict, opposition to Jesus. People are pushing back more and more uh, against Jesus. It's becoming clearer and clearer who he is, so they're fighting harder and harder against him because he's not the Christ that they wanted. Um, and so there's this divide starting to, tar- starting to open up um, in, in the nation of Israel as they hear Christ teach and preach and they see his ministry. We see this dividing line, this crack that's opening up right down the center of Israel. It's getting wider and wider. Some are on one side, some are on the other. And um, they're, they're, there's no neutral ground with Christ. You're either for him or you're against him. That's the context. That's what's been going on as we've moved up here now to where we are, diving into chapter 13. Chapter 13 introduces the third major block of teaching in the gospel. Um, but, but there's something different about it now. Um, we haven't seen this yet. Now we're getting parables. Um, Jesus is, is doing something new. It's this new form of teaching that he's doing. He's using these, these stories, these parables, little, little stories that um, have, have you know, everyday stuff in them. Um, they're about farmers, they're about, they're about judges, and they're about widows, uh, but, but there's a steeper spiritual meaning in these, in these stories. Um, and, and Jesus is, uh, is using these parables to, to drive a wedge into that dividing line we were just talking about, right? To, to clarify which side you're on. Are you for me or are you against me? He, 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 he's, he's forcing the issue in the parables, Say, are you going to follow Jesus Christ? Or are you going to reject Jesus Christ? And at the heart of what he's saying is the question that he really addresses in this first parable. The parable of parables, we might say. Um, and that is the question, are, are you listening to Jesus? Are you listening to him? Are you hearing him? Understanding him? Trusting his word and responding to his word. Um, that was the question he was driving home to his audience there by the Sea of Galilee. And it's also the very same question that he is driving home to our hearts. Even this morning, are you hearing me? Christ is asking you that question this morning. Are you listening to my word and hearing my gospel? So let's dive in. Matthew sets up the story like a sandwich. There's bread, there's filling, whatever you like for your sandwich, peanut butter, whatever. And then, and then there's the other slice, right? He sets up this story with the first, at first he tells the parable, Jesus tells the parable. And then in the middle section, we get this sort of interruption in the text as Jesus goes on a little, he, he talks with the disciples about what the point of parables is. And then after that, we get the, ter- the parable kind of retold and interpreted after that. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to actually start in the middle here. We're going to start with verses 10 to 17, embedded in the middle with the filling of this sandwich that Matthew's given us, um, as he tells us, what's the point of parables anyway? What's a parable? What's a parable for? And once we've seen that, we'll dive into the particular parable that we're given here. So pick up with me 
in verse 10. Jesus' disciples asked him a question. Why do you speak to them in parables? Why these stories, Jesus? Um, I think sometimes we think of parables as, as, as illustrations. Right? We, we love illustrations. Um, nice little stories that, that, that have, a, have a spiritual meaning to them, right? The, the, the spiritual truth that you can kind of get, get home with a, with a story. But, but Jesus' parables are, 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 yes, in a sense, they're illustrations, but they're more than illustrations. Illustrations are usually fairly harmless, uh, but Jesus' parables have an edge to them. There, there's a danger to them. Notice verse 11. Jesus says, the first key thing here he talks to us about parables is that they, that they divide. Uh, he says in verse 11, It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. He's drawing a stark contrast. Right? It's been given to you to understand. It's not been given to them to understand. Right? There are these there are people who are following me and people who aren't. People who are in the kingdom and people who are outside the kingdom. Um, so parables highlight that line, Jesus is saying. Right? They, they expose that line, that division. Um, they expose your spiritual allegiance. And they amplify it. Verse 12, Jesus says, Whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. He means, whoever has saving faith in Christ... Whoever, whoever has membership in the kingdom of heaven, um, as the parables are proclaimed, as the gospels proclaimed, that faith grows, that faith is strengthened. But whoever has not, whoever doesn't have, have, have that place in God's kingdom, whoever doesn't have uh, God's, God's electing grace at work in his heart, the one who maybe is a member outwardly of the people of Israel or the church of God, but inwardly no faith, Jesus says, there's a warning here. His words are going to strip you of what you thought you had. His parables are going to take away what you falsely thought you had and expose your unbelief. So parables really are a form of, of, of judgment as Jesus speaks them. Uh, Jesus, as he speaks in parables, is giving his hard-hearted audience over to their hard-heartedness. Um, Verse 13, therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. The, the, the Israelites, they, 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 the audience around him, um, they, they have eyes, but their eyes are blind spiritually to see him. Uh, they have ears, but their ears are deaf spiritually to hear what he's saying. They don't see that he is the Messiah. They don't acknowledge, they don't bow to him as the Messiah. Jesus is continuing to explain this. He quotes from, from Isaiah 6, and he says this, uh, which says, uh, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of he hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Jesus is picking up on that very context in Isaiah 6. It's, it's shocking language. It's a shocking thing to consider. Because God is commissioning Isaiah back there in, the, in Isaiah chapter 6 to go and preach to Israel that judgment is coming. But, um, but God is telling Isaiah, even as he starts that ministry, they're not going to listen. They're not going to repent. 
um, they, they become so hard in their sin, they become so committed to their sin, so full of rebellion against me, that they're not going to repent. They're out of time. They've squandered my grace. They've trampled on my long-suffering. And they're out of time to repent. And Jesus is taking that and He's applying it to His own situation. He has come. He's, he, he is there, standing in front of them. God with them. Christ, the Messiah, long-awaited, standing there. And He's preaching the Gospel. And He's healing. And He's doing these miracles. And He's calming the storm. And they say, He's got a devil. They, they hate Him. They reject Him. And, and now they're being handed over to that unbelief. God is hardening their hearts. God is telling... Uh, God, God is working in the hearts of unbelieving Israelites around Jesus. The very judgment He brought on Pharaoh in the Exodus. Remember, remember Pharaoh in the Exodus? He hardens his heart against God. He hardens his heart. He won't repent. He won't turn. And God also then hardens his heart. Jesus is telling those around Him who are most sure that they are God's elect people that they are not. Um, and He uses parables. For those outside the kingdom, the parables harden. They, they, they make unbelief more stubborn. They're, they're a word of judgment. They're, the parables are, are, are hammer blows and the nails of the coffin of their unbelief. Sealing their fate, if you will. This is hard to hear. Um, didn't Jesus come to seek and save the lost? Didn't, didn't Jesus come and open wide His arms and say, come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest? Just back a few chapters ago in Matthew. Yes, yes, He does come like that. He does open wide His arms and welcome all who come to Him. Sinners, tax collectors, whatever your past, come to Me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you salvation. He, he pursues hardened sinners too. Pharisees like Nicodemus. Pharisees like Saul of Tarsus. He goes after them, and, 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 and he, he takes them out of their sin and their unbelief and their stubborn rebellion, and he brings them to himself. But also, God will not be mocked. And unrepentant pride hardens the soul against God like a fast-setting concrete. This is one of the function of parables. They bring judgment on unbelief. But that's not all that parables do. Parables have a dual function. They, they, they're not just for those who are, who are set against, dead set against the kingdom of God to harden them and bring judgment on them. They're also for those who do believe. Um, in verse 16, Jesus says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. You, disciples, bl blessed are you because you do see, you do understand what I'm saying in these parables. Um, the, the parables, for those who are in the kingdom, for those who, who are trusting in Christ, um, who, are, who are ready to repent, the, the parables um, uh, show us the kingdom of God and they teach us about the gospel in an immediate and forceful, forceful way. They, they, they act like a spiritual defibrillator to shock you back to life when you've fallen into spiritual, uh, spiritual slumber or, or, or lethargy. Um, you can think of this in a famous instance in the Old Testament where King David, man after God's own heart, one who loved God and, and led God's people in, in loving and serving the Lord, right? he commits adultery, he commits murder, he lies about it, um, um, and he lives in that sin. 
and, and he starts right spiritual coldness and hard heartedness is, is creeping over him. And God sends a prophet, Nathan, to him. And what does Nathan do? He tells him a parable. And it's that parable which acts as that spiritual defibrillator to bring David back to life. They're a wake-up call for us. A warning and a wake-up call. So this is what parables do. Um, Harden the rebellious. Warn the repentant. Um, But what makes the difference? What makes the difference between a hammer blow that makes something just harder and between something, a hammer blow that, that, that breaks something and makes it soft and, 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 and repentant um, and humble. Um, what, what makes the difference between those who receive God's word wrong and those who receive it right? Just got to figure it out. Like Jesus' disciples here are, are just smarter than the other guys who aren't getting what he's saying. Or that if we're sitting here this morning and, and, and we're really hearing his words, it's because we, we, we are just better at understanding spiritual things than other people are. Um, Jesus tells us the, the reason, what makes the difference in verse 11. He says, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, he says. Why do you understand the gospel. Why do you believe the gospel? Is it because of you? Is it because of your faith and your great wisdom and your great understanding? No. It's because God has given it to you, graciously given it to you. The sovereign God of grace has taken your blind eyes and made them to see. And he's taken your deaf ears and he's made them to hear. Right? It's only the grace of God that can do that. It's only the grace of God that makes the difference between the one who hears and the one who doesn't hear. As God comes with His Word and Spirit and He brings life to His elect, to whomever He chooses, God does this um, powerfully in us. And it's only by Him. We read in Romans 9.16 that He will have mercy on whom He will have mercy and compassion on whom He has compassion, that it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. It all depends on the grace of God, the sovereign grace of God. If you understand the gospel, that's the only reason why you do. Not you, but the God of sovereign grace. Does this mean, then, that we can just sit back and wait for His grace to change us, though? Say, well, it's all up to God's grace. I don't have to do anything, right? I can just, if my heart's good soil, it'll just, the gospel will grow. I don't have to worry about it. Is that Jesus' point? Well, not at all, right? Um, That's not how God works. Look with me at the way Jesus finishes telling his parable in verse 9, if you have it open. He says, um, he he doesn't say, it's pointless to do anything about this. You can't believe in your own strength. Just wait for God to work. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's, He's calling you to hear. Listen up. Pay attention. Listen to me. Listen to the gospel. This is the point Jesus is stressing in the parable here. How do you hear? Are you listening? So let's look at the parable now. We've seen the purpose of the parables. Let's look at this parable um, with, with this in mind. How, how do you hear? Jesus tells this parable, right? It starts with a sower, uh, a farmer, and he's going out. He, he's, he's sowing his, his crops, and he has this seed, and he's, he's scattering it everywhere. 
Um, he doesn't seem to care too much about, uh, about, about uh, making sure he conserves his seed. Um, he, he, he's, not, uh, he's not making sure he only sows the good soil. Probably most farmers would, right? They'd say, I'm not going to throw my precious seed on the hard path or the, or the, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and throw it in the good soil. But the farmer here, the sower, um, is sowing the seed everywhere. Right, showing us a picture of the grace, the grace of God, the lavish grace of God. He, he, he sends out his gospel everywhere, graciously, to the whole world. But it has a different result. Four different types of soil that we see in this parable, which represent for us four different ways to respond to the gospel. Um, let's look at these. The first type of soil is the hard-packed path. Right, that, that, that path, it's been trampled, it's, 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 it's hard, nothing can, 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 can uh, permeate it, um, the, the, it's, it's exposed to the sun, so the seed falls on that path, and it can't put down roots. It, it can't, and, and the, the, sun, uh, the sun beats down on it, the birds come, they eat it, they take it away. Um, um, so there's nothing wrong with the seed, but it's this, this hard-packed path, stubborn, it won't, won't, won't produce any growth. Um, uh, and then in this case, this is, this is the person who, who uh, hears the gospel and, and rejects it. Hardened unbelief says, no, it's not for me. Um, they're stubborn against it. It could be, could be a, an atheist, perhaps, uh, someone who says, I'm not going to believe in a God I can't see. Um, I'm not going to believe in, the, in, the, in this gospel of, of God becoming man and dying for my sins. It just doesn't make sense. I'm not going to believe that. Um, could also be the person who says, right, Jesus is a good teacher, good moralist, but calling him God is just a myth. It is a fairy tale. Could, could be the person who's religious, extremely religious. Could have this, your heart also could, could be a hardened path like this. Um, think of the Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees here in Matthew's Gospel. They are the, they are the uber-religious people, but their hearts seem to be the hardest of all. They won't bow to Christ. They refuse to humble themselves and bow to him. Brothers and sisters, we can be so easily self-deceived. I'm sure the Pharisees thought their hearts were good soil for the word of God. Um, I'm sure they thought they paid close attention to God's word. And I'm sure they thought that they were bearing fruit in their lives. But their hearts were hard. Um... They were deaf and blind spiritually, and Satan would snatch away every word. Um, so how do you hear? Is your heart like that? Um, as you hear God's word read and preached, do you cry out to God to make your heart tender to it? You pray that he would make the word to be sown deep in your heart, or do you keep the word at arm's length, where it can't get down in your heart, where, where, where it can't change you, where it can't take root? The second kind of soil is the shallow, stony soil. Um, the seed falls here, Jesus says, and the growth is quick. Because the soil is shallow, shoots pop right up. But it's shallow, there's no root, so the sun comes up, scorches it, it dies. Not, no, 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 no fruit um, for, this, for this seed. Um, Jesus tells us that this is the seed, that this represents those who hear the gospel, and at first they love it. Wonderful. They embrace it. Uh, they, they love it, and they start to, to they, they start to grow up in the faith. Some, but but the roots don't go down deep. There's no there's no maturity. Um, there, there's no depth to their faith. They don't grow in their understanding. 
They don't grow in learning about Christ. They don't grow in love for Christ. Their faith remains, remains young, remains immature. Their, their roots never reach down deep into Christ. What happens to this kind of person when opposition to the faith comes? Persecution comes. Hardship and suffering come. The faith withers. because There's no roots. Think of the famous allegory by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. Think of the character Pliable, who at first is all excited about following Christian to the celestial city. But the first sign of difficulty, his so-called faith withers and is proved to be not faith at all. And, and we could probably see people point to people in our own lives. Yeah, I, I knew him. Uh, he, he was a Christian, I, I thought. He was following Christ, I thought. Showed good signs of growth, but you know what? Then that hardship came and it devastated him and he was done with Christ. He walked away from Christ. Right? We can see people like that. And brothers and sisters, um, we, we, we should watch our own hearts for this. Is your faith shallow? You can be shallow in two ways. You can be shallow in your faith if you're not giving yourself to digging into the Word of God, studying, equipping your mind with the Word of the truth of the Gospel, um, um, uh, not, not growing in your mature understanding of God's Word. You can have a shallowness to your faith that way. You can also have a shallowness, though, to your faith if you're not living the Word of God too. Um, you, you, could, you could actually have, have studied the Bible, studied theology, gone to seminary, whatever, know it through and through, and, and have it all up here, but, but there, it's, not in your, it's not into your bones yet. And you're not living by it. And, and so there's, there's another shallowness there of, of someone who does not really know the gospel and live out the gospel. Right? You need, you need roots, loved ones, that drink up Christ. That go down deep into Christ the knowledge of Christ and the grace of Christ. And you're drinking that up so that when difficulty comes, when hardship and persecution comes, you've got roots. And you've still got nutrients coming. Even though the sun's beating down. Because you're in Christ. Third type of soil. Soil uh, where the seed takes root, it, it grows, but then it's choked out by thorns and and weeds. These are those, Jesus says, who seem to listen to his word. They, they listen to his word at first, but then it gets gradually choked out by the desires, the cares, concerns, the riches of, of the world. Um, picture that imagery. It's powerful imagery of, of, a, of an overgrown garden where there's just one or two little plants left that are supposed to be there. And everything else is just an overgrowth of weeds, strangling out the life, taking all the nutrients away from, from that plant. Is that a picture of your heart? Um, once the Word of God showed promise in your heart, God planted the seed, right? Gospel, um, you loved it. Um, but over time, other things start to grow. Um, hobbies, uh, other interests, money, social media, dieting, movies, video games, whatever it might be, uh, your work, your family. This, this is exactly what happened, it seems, to, to Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, who's standing with Jesus, hearing these parables, and even hearing them explained. And at first seems to show faith, but then gradually his ambition for power starts to choke it out. His, his ambitions for other things. He wasn't ever actually listening to Jesus. 
Um, the weeds of worldliness and greed eventually took over and choked it out. Think of Paul's companion, Demons, who went with him on, in his work and was a companion of him in, in, in the ministry of the gospel. Seemed, seemed like, a, like a true believer, right? But what happened? Paul writes, 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. This, this is a more gradual kind of, uh, of unbelief, right? It's, it can be marked by a small and subtle, subtle, subtle things, like a, a gradual lessening of your interest in, in hearing the Word of God or reading the Word of God, and, and, a, and a gradually increasing desire for uh, the, the security and comfort of what this world can give you. Is your heart more tuned day to day to the things of God or the things of this world. Loved ones, watch your heart. Take care how you hear. Do not love the world, the Apostle John will write. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot love both God and money. You cannot love both God and stuff. So, so pull out the weeds. Don't let the weeds choke out the gospel. Don't let them strangle out the word of God. So those are the first three types of soil. And we need to watch our hearts, guard our hearts against these things. But those are how we shouldn't hear. How should we hear? That's what Jesus shows us in the fourth kind of soil, um, which is uh, the good soil. These are those who hear the word, they receive it, they understand it, they trust, and, and they bear fruit by it. Jesus says in verse 23, He who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Notice what Jesus says. First, he says, you need to hear the word and understand it to be this good soil. You need to hear the word and, and grasp a hold of it, not understand everything there is to know about it, perhaps. Um, but, but, but grasp the core. Right? Know the ABCs of the gospel. Um, un- understand understand the, the teachings of Christ and, and what it means to believe in Christ and have a hunger and a desire to know more and understand more. And it's not just that intellectual level understanding. It's that plus uh, the understanding of growing in your love for Christ, uh, uh, growing in, in your reliance on Christ, embracing Christ as he is offered to you in the gospel. It's, it's, to, it's to take Christ as your Savior uh, and to make it your food and drink to hear his word. Um, second thing Jesus says, that if you're hearing him right, you're, you're not only going to understand um, but you're also going to be bearing bearing fruit. Um, that, that, that the one who hears rightly is the one who responds to the word rightly, who, who believes and who obeys. Um, if, there's, if, there, if, if there's no fruit of love to God in your life, no, no fruit of any kind of love to others, no self-denial, no, no, no following Christ, no obedience, no repentance, then no, you, you can't be hearing him if there's, if there's no fruit there. The word of God... Uh, the word of the gospel does produce fruit. You, you cannot really hear Jesus' words and understand them and not be changed by them and not produce fruit by them. Jesus says the branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire because it's not really united to the vine that he is. So brothers and sisters, we are not saved by our fruit bearing. We're not, we're not saved because of the good works that we do. But, but good works are the evidence of, of, of a real and living faith. And if there are no good works, marking our obedience, then it's a sign that there's no vital faith in Christ. 
J.C. Ryle, um, wonderful gospel writer, puts it this way. He says, now, let us ask ourselves, what are we? Under which class of hearers ought we to be ranked? With what kind of hearts do we hear the word? Never may we forget that there are three ways of hearing without profit and only one way of hearing aright. Never may we forget that there's only one mark of being a right-hearted hearer. That mark is to bear fruit. To be without fruit is to be in the way to hell. So are you listening to Christ and hearing Him and understanding and obeying? Is your, is your heart bearing the fruit of faith in Christ? Be honest. Is it bearing fruit? Sometimes perhaps it gets hardened, right? Um, sometimes we still have right, hardness and, and, and we don't want to submit to that word of Christ. And sometimes we do have shallowness and, and, and difficulty comes and we doubt instead of trust. And, and sometimes, sometimes our hearts are full of weeds, aren't they? Thorns that are choking out the gospel. Um, we, we lose sight of the gospel. And we do see a lack of fruitfulness often, don't we? We don't see the fruit that we want to see in, in our lives. Our hearts are not what they should be, right? Sometimes you might feel like you might as well get a garden out of the parking lot over there as, 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 as see fruit from my heart. If you're being honest about ourselves, loved ones. Um, so what do we do? Say, well, I'm going to hear better this week. I'm going I'm to do better. I'm going I'm to work harder at hearing the gospel. Well, 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 we can't really change anything about ourselves. We, we, we have no ability in ourselves to make our hearts good soil for the word of God. Remember, it is given to you, Jesus says, verse 11. It's by the grace of God. This, this, is, the, this is the wonderful news, loved ones, of the gospel, that, that God is the one who plants the seed and that the seed is his very gospel. And it will produce fruit. And those whom he calls for it to produce fruit. That he's the one who, who takes the word of God. Uh, takes the word about Christ our Savior. And gives us the spirit and opens our hearts to receive it. Um, the very gospel of Christ is what produces fruitfulness in us. Um, it's the good news that, yes, while, while you are, have a hardened and, 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 and shallow and, and thorny heart, a heart that doesn't hear right, there was one whose heart was the good soil. Our Lord Jesus Christ. In his earthly ministry, he comes and his heart is perfectly tender, always to the word of God. No, no, no rebellion in him against God's word. Right? He perfectly receives every word of the scriptures and every word. Uh, and, and he bears abundant fruit, doesn't he? In his life, um, nothing but fruit, lavish fruit of obedience and faith and faithfulness. And so that's our hope, brothers and sisters, that our Lord Jesus Christ, whose heart was so perfectly listening to the word of God, that, that record is counted to us. So that instead of the parables coming down like a hammer and judgment on us, and hardening us and sending us to hell. Our Lord Jesus Christ took that for us. Took our place, suffering the wrath of God for our rebellion and unbelief. So that we might be brought into the kingdom. And, and then he gets to work in us by his spirit. He gets down into our hearts. And he starts, he starts plowing up that soil. Right? He starts turning it over, turning over the sod by his gospel and planting it in. And, and, and then, and then he, he gives the growth, as Paul says. 
to change the metaphor slightly, um, John 15.5, Jesus says to us, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can't do it. You can't hear him right. But he can make you hear if you go to him. So brothers and sisters, let me close by saying, go to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to change your heart. To, to, to turn the soil over, to break it up and make his gospel planted deep there. Ask him uh, to come and, and get to work there as your Savior, planting his gospel deep and bearing much fruit by the almighty power of God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. What a great and gracious Savior. Lord, we pray that you would make us to hear your word rightly. Make our hearts the good soil. Lord, we pray that this word would bear fruit in us and through us to the glory of our Redeemer. It's in his name we pray. Amen.